listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our last podcast of 2021, a year, another year for the books. Whoop, whoop. Yes. And, and, and the person whoop whooping in the background is, as you know, my friend and colleague, John Wright. Hey, Bart. Hey, John. Yeah, this is, this is it. This is the last show we're going to post in 2021. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, and I don't know what to make of it. Um, I don't know where the year went. It was a really fast year. A lot of people have told me that. Yeah. Um, and not even just old people like me for whom every year is a fast year now. <laughs> um, but, but it does feel like, and I, th- I, I was talking to Marty about this the other day and, and I think it may be because we do so many boring things the same way every day. And like a lot of people are in that where they stay at home and they make the same, like the routines are in. Um, Cause I find that on a weekend where we set up lots of things to do, like we go to somebody's house for dinner and then like I go for a bike ride and then we go to a museum and stuff like that. That weekend seems really long, mm. but on a weekend where we just sort of sit around, it seems like it's over in a minute. So is that, I mean, there's two phrases I'm thinking about. Time flies when you're having fun, which I don't know if what you're saying matches with that. But then the other one is like, the days are long, but the years are short. It's like, the, I think it's the prison thing. Yeah. It's a, yeah. that, and I think like this year, the days, they run into each other. And so you go like, wow, where did that month go? I feel like I, you know, I didn't do that much. Like not that much happened in the month. Whereas if you did a lot of different kinds of things, you'd be like, oh, we did that and that and that and that and right, that and right, that. Right. And so it feels like it's like, even though time flies, it's still like the year slows down because you're like, yeah. wow, that was a, there was a, we did, we did that this year. Oh, that was still this year. And oh, and I feel like for this year, I feel like time did, days probably went slowly for people, but the year went fast. Yeah, I think that's right. I have a recommendation, actually. I think that people should do what I have found myself doing uh, this year, which is taking a lot of pictures. I take a lot of pictures now. And so that at the end of the year or the end of the month or whatever, or the end of the week, you can look back and see everything you were doing. And I do that a lot because, well, you know, my girlfriend and I have been doing a lot of things. Like we've been, you know, even if we just go to the park or something, oh, let's take a little selfie. And it's just for us. It's not for anybody, you know? But like later... We can look back and say, oh, yeah, we did all these things, you know? And so it really, it, it kind of uh, counteracts what you're saying. Yeah, no, photography makes it seem like you were actually doing something significant when you weren't. Right. <laughs> we went to I the mean, park. That, we went to get coffee. I, and- I, I noticed that because, you know, when, when you have a three-year-old around, as we do many days, um, we just, you end up taking a, a kajillion pictures because, oh, isn't that cute? Oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? And then it's right. like, oh, yeah, we played blocks. Oh, yeah, we also played puppets. Oh, yeah, we ate, you know, and like in the, in reality, we did nothing Well, like, a few- of, of, of significance. But then, mm-hmm. but there are 25 pictures in all in different places with all, and you go like, oh, wow, we did a lot. <laughs> I see. I think it's telling that. I think the. I think it's the other way around. I think the photography is telling the truth. It's keeping track of all of those little moments that you'd otherwise forget. Well, that's that's very beautiful. 
That's a beautiful thought. I mean, because that's the only time I do take photographs because in my own life, I, I, you know, I would have to be in the photograph and I, I, I don't like I, I would have thought with this um, Smile Direct Club, you'd be taking lots of photos of yourself now. Now, how, how, is that common knowledge or did you just out me? No, you you outed yourself last time. <laughs> okay, I can't remember. I couldn't remember what conversation you were talking about in when you went to Roman's wedding. Yes, um, ahead of that, you were you were doing this thing, and and it was interesting because um, I had always heard about the other one, the yes, the, invisible, the more expensive one. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's stuck well, in my I was I I should take a picture in, of of my smile and and send it. Um, I do like your photograph idea as a possible. Um, antidote to the sense that people have that nothing much is going on. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's good to get that advice out right now because it looks like for a lot of people, the next few months, a lot of nothing going on is going to happen thanks to Omicron. Mm. And I am just seeing that messing things up for people all over the place in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't need to, again, we don't need to talk about that a lot. Like there are other podcasts where if you want to talk about Omicron, if you want to hear a lot of news about Omicron, there are other podcasts for you. There are places you can go. So, but as this podcast ends in this strange year, which, I, you know, how long has this podcast existed? Seven well, years, six years? So sometimes people don't realize the numbering scheme we have for episodes. So this is episode 620. That doesn't mean we've had 620 episodes. It means that it's the 20th episode of the sixth year. So uh, we're in our sixth year of existence. Darn. I was so excited. I was like, wow, we have done more than 600 episodes. <laughs> I'm one of the people that didn't know. <laughs> really? No. I know. It just, you know. For people who have listened to every episode, they're just it just feels like 620. <laughs> <laughs> the episodes are long, but the <laughs> podcast is short. Um, I would I would just say that of the six years that we've been doing this podcast, and I actually thought it was much longer than that. Because I felt like I feel like I've been in Cincinnati for four years. And I can't believe we only did the podcast for two years in, in California. Mm. But yeah. I will believe you because the number is 620. I'll tell you this though. There, there could have been a few months before that first episode where it was called The Wonderful Podcast. That's some deep tracks right there for people. That is some deep tracks. Yeah. The Wonderful yeah. with two L's podcast. And it was based on, uh, the logo was based on Wonder Bread, yeah. which I love. Yeah. But I, I, I will tell you that, you know, I often recommend people go back to the archives because I think that there are a lot of the best episodes are sprinkled over the first five years. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, if you go all the way back to say the first five or six episodes or ten episodes, those will not be the best episodes. No, we were finding our our way. I'm kind of glad to be turning the page on this year. But I would be gladder if I felt like 2022 was going to get off to a bang up start and I'm a little bit worried because mm. um, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, this is always one of those things where it depends on what's going on in your personal life, right? I know people who are in a great place. I mean, yep. you know, you, you're, your son and, and his new wife are in their first year of marriage. That's got to 
that's got to feel way different than someone who's in a, a different stage of life or whatever, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very personal thing. Wow, that's just a, I don't even know where to go from there. I have no control. Like my best wishes will mean nothing. If you're in a good place, you're probably in a good place. If you're in a bad place, you're not. Um, right, and so you're talking feels- to a lot of people who are in a bad place, right, because of your what you do for a living. Yeah, but and so those conversations. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. I th- it's probably a question I've asked you before, but I'm just really curious, especially at this moment, since you're now doing this full time. Yeah. And does it rub off? In, in other words, like, do the conversations that people are having with you shape your emotions afterwards in, in any way um, going into your life? You know, I, I wouldn't have gotten into this. In, a, in this sort of formal professional way, if I didn't have a lot of experience that, that told me that I would be a first class compartmentalizer. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody comes into my office, they get all of me for an hour. I mean, I am all the way there. All I care about is them. I'm not thinking about anything else. And I'm completely invested. And if they're sad, I am sad with them. And if they are growing, I am thrilled with them. And Whatever is happening, I'm, I'm right there. And then as soon as they walk out the door, um, I sort of take a deep breath and come back into myself. And, and sometimes so much so that if you ask me at the end of the day, who'd you see today? I probably couldn't tell you. Mm, okay. But, yeah. So but, you can't. But, right. Yeah. But then when I pull out the notes again and look at the convert, you know, cause I, I make notes afterwards and, and then when they're coming in the next week, like I'm, I would be like, who is this? And, and then I would like, look at the notes and go, oh, and I am, and zoom, I zoom right back to that space. And I mm-hmm. am, I'm like, oh, remember last week we were talking about this? And I haven't thought, I like, I, I wouldn't have been able to even recall that. And yeah, now I'm yeah. right back there. Well, um, that sounds perfect. It sounds like the perfect way to be really. In this, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this job, it's a great way to be. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, I mean, I'm tired. You know, sometimes I'm tired at the end of the day because I've just emoted so much and felt so much and cared so much and thought so much. But I'm not. But but I, I, like those people's problems don't. They become my problems, and then I offload them, and like they don't stay my problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, most of the time, almost all. Okay. The time. Um, that there are exceptions, but like today is a great day to ask because the last appointment I had today was a woman I've been seeing for a long time. And the bottom line is, um, as we were reviewing what was going on in her life, I was like, wow, like you came in here, like needing some coping skills to deal with this huge thing in your life. And like, you're totally dealing. She's like, I know. She's like, I have all these new skills and I think of it completely differently. And I was like, you're done. And she's like, I am done. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, you don't ever have to come back until unless you've got something new. And she's like, I know. Like, this has been great. I was like, you did all the work. She's like, yeah, but you know, your 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 help, you, you know, your guidance was helpful. But like, yeah, I did do the work and I can do it again. And it was just like, okay, this great this feeling. worked. You know, go forth. And I was like, she she's like, I'm really confident walking out of here. I was like, I'm really confident in you. <laughs> she's like, so all great. right. Goodbye. What a, what a great feeling that is. 
Oh, it's terrific. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's it literally, it is the gold standard. It's the thing. It, it is kind of the dream that you have. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody came in and they talked and you work things through and they develop some stuff and they figured some things out and then they just were like, I'm done. Thanks. I'm good to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, does every client end that way? No. But right. like that one was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. So this is why you're, you've got a, a pep in your step right now. I, I do. But the, the weird thing is, is that I am so extroverted that like whether it's good, bad or indifferent, the opportunity to go out there and interact with four or five or six people in a day on a really meaningful basis about stuff that really matters. I just, I just consider it the hugest privilege that mm-hmm. I can have. I mean, like, and you know, and it works the same way. Like that, that that's formal counseling, like where I'm, I'm in an office, a licensed professional counselor here in Ohio. And then like, you know, the other half of the day I'll be on the, on zoom or on something with like coaching people that I get through the podcast that like want to talk about religious deconversions or difficult relationship stuff that right. they've got going on. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's the conversations are just as meaningful. I, I still, every time I'm just like, what a privilege this is. I can't believe I get to do this. It's just yeah. a joy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. I was going to say this is going to be like a uh, a grab bag. And then I thought like, what was that word that we used years ago for that one episode that was a mixed mishmash? As, as, uh, oh, um, it starts with an S. Salag- Salagamundi. <laughs> Wasn't that it? <laughs> Something like that. Because I kept saying it. Salamagundi. Salamagundi. Yes. Yeah. So um, anyway, this is going to be one of those. A lot of different stuff going on. Um, And you you sent me some notes. And and, and the thing, it was funny. Like the one I was like, I don't even know what we would do with this. Pew poll shows that there are more nuns, meaning, you know, no religion, Mm -hmm. than evangelicals in the United States for the first time. And only 63 of Americans self-identify as Christian down from 75% a decade ago. So you're like, there are fewer people self-identifying Christian as Christians. And of the ones of those that identify as evangelical Christians, there are actually more of us than them. Yes. And I go like, what do you make of that? What do you make of that? Well, it is a sea change. I mean, I didn't necessarily think that I would see that so quickly. In my life, you look at someone like Jerry Falwell, who really wanted to have like an outsized impact on the society around him. And it seems like that whole movement kind of failed in the sense that like the things that he was fighting about, you know, no one cares yeah. about anymore. Everyone's it's not sort as of though cha- they just elected the last president and have stopped this country from fighting COVID because they don't believe okay. in science like I mean, it, nothing has changed, John. Nothing, nothing I, has changed. I, I disagree with this. I, th- I think that so, – because a lot of the people that I know who voted for the last president don't have any – you know, th- th- they would say like they believe what they do for completely different reasons. That's right. Now, you know, let me tell you what's changed. You want to know what's changed? Mm. This, is, this is my new theory. I just, I just made it up, but I think it's pretty true. I don't think any more people are deeply devoted to Jesus – than used to be deeply devoted to Jesus. And I don't think any more people are deeply devoted to pursuing life on the basis of evidence-based thinking than used to be. What I think is there are a whole bunch of people in the middle 
they're sort of like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't really think that much about it. You know, like I, I wouldn't call myself a, you know, a humanist. What is that? Right? Agreed. And, you know, Agreed. And and they and they go like, ah, I don't really think. You know, like uh, the Trinity. What is that? But like, I think that thirty years ago, those people would fill out a poll and they would say, Yeah, I'm a Christian. And I think now that more of them will fill out the poll and go like, Yeah, I'm a nun. But like, what they really are is. Not, they're not significantly atheistic or agnostic or humanistic, and they're not significantly Christian. They're what they always were, which is like, I don't care that much. I don't think that much about life's big questions. Like, what's on TV tonight? Mm. No, I think that that is a, a lot of what we're talking about, is that those people who are sort of casual churchgoers or something, and maybe even don't bother with yeah. the casual amount anymore. My, my dad was horrified that the evangelical church lined up behind Trump. He was like, I, 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 you know, and I was like, those, you know, he's like, he felt like his Christian brethren had left him behind. And I said, dad, you talking about people who really spend hours each day in prayer and feed the poor and tr are trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. I said, those are not, those are not the, those are not the evangelicals that lined up behind Trump. They were, th that's a different kind of evangelical. And those people don't have a, a relationship with God like you have a relationship with God. It's like, like they, they were evangelicals in name only, or, or, or they were what you are in name only. Like you were never, if, if they're evangelicals, you're not. And if you're evangelical, they're not. Like you were never like them. Right, right. You both use the same title, and so it, each of you thought that you were part of a much bigger club, but there were always two clubs, and yours was always way smaller than theirs. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the breakdown is. It would be, it'd be interesting to know because, I mean, certainly there were evangelical churches, many of them, that supported Trump directly. Yeah. And um, I think like I think if you did it on a church basis, it would be one thing. But if you did it on an individual basis, if you came up with the right questions, and only a good evangelical would know the right questions, or somebody like us, <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, you know, if you asked people like, "How many quiet times did you have this week?" or you know, um, when was the last time you felt the Lord leading you to reach oh my out gosh. to somebody? Yeah, yeah, right? no, 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 right? And, 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 you know, and, and or, or when was the last time you felt like you listened to a sermon? And changed your behavior on, 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 on because you were you were under conviction, right? Which was all would be all experiences that people like my dad and the people that he runs around with, mm -hmm. you know, they would have had those experiences, right? Yeah. Um, and if you said, you know, let's count the number of those people, it would not be the number of people that the Gallup poll or the Pew poll is calling evangelical Christians. No, def definitely not. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I do, th but I think that these changes do matter on some level. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, think yeah, they, they do. The, 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 there's a ripple effect around that 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 matters on some level. You know, it's funny. I was, I was listening to um, your buddies uh, Holly and Greg, who we've had on the show, who do oh, yeah. the who do the Holly Laurent, yeah, yeah, Ho Greg Holly Laurent and Greg Hess. They do this um, podcast Mega, and it's a whole satire of a mega church. So it's almost like, and you know, it's funny that a couple of weeks ago, I, I watched um, a YouTube channel of a real megachurch um, <laughs> because I was interested in it. <laughs> and it's very similar. It's funny how similar they are. They get, they get like the worship pastor in to talk or whatever it is. But these are all actually stand-up comics and, and yeah. comedians. Well, I don't know if you know this, but Holly herself was on staff at the Willow Creek Church. Like, oh, that's right. I do remember that. For now years, that you mention it. Yeah. yeah. So she, so like, they get mega church. They know exactly what a mega church is like. 
Yeah, yeah. And yet it was it, almost listening to like um, like The Office or Parks and Rec or something, you know? Holly and Greg are on everyone. And I think she plays, I forget what her, t- I, I forget what her character's job is, but like they're on the staff and Greg plays the youth pastor. But then they always have somebody else coming in who's either a member of the church or a staff member or something. Yeah. The one, the one I guess just listened to was a, was um, a guy that played Jesus at one of their um, Christmas programs. Programs. Like, I think it was maybe an Easter program, but then he now is playing baby Jesus. <laughs> For the Christmas program, the same guy. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, listened to a few of them. I, th- th- there was one that was really kind of deep um, that Holly sent me and said, "You got to listen to this." And it's it's interesting because she, instead of playing her own character, she plays the son of her character, and he's in an argument with the youth pastor about why it's not a problem that he's using drugs. He's using he's smoking marijuana, and he very deftly sort of like the youth pastor makes all the arguments that the church makes against this behavior. And he mm-hmm. critiques the church by defending himself. And it's, wow. it's, 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 it's really good. But I mean, yeah, it's such a, it's, it's such a delicate thing they're doing. I know I'm surprised cause they've been doing it for a long time. And like they win, like they win awards. Like, you know, they were, they were like the, the Guardian, which is like the liberal newspaper in England, they were like on their best comedy podcasts. Right, of, right. You know, the, like they win these awards. And I'm like, England, a much less churched country than our own. Right. And but yet like, they, they think it's hilarious. I was going to ask you what you think the audience of this podcast is that they do. I know what it is. What That's is it? what's shocking. You would think it was ex-Christians who like to make fun. Mm-hmm. Not at all. It is people who are in megachurches. They have a tremendous listenership of people who are on the staffs of megachurches <laughs> who are like, this is really funny because you really get the foibles. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some of this is coming back to me now that we – that I just yeah. looked it up. It's episode f- uh, 521 of our podcast that Holly and Greg were on if people yeah. are interested to hear more about it. Or you could just go, go, go there and listen. It's on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify – all the places yeah, we are, they, they are. It's called Mega. Right. It's valuable in the same way that I think our show is valuable because I get lots of emails from pe- from Christian people who have listened to our show or who have watched the documentary or whatever it is, that, right. whatever their exposure is to us and have been like so encouraged by people that are kind in their, in their disagreement hmm. and that are respectful that, you know, th- th- like I may not buy your narrative, but I like what it's doing for you. Um, yeah, there's a certain cases. amount of affection that both Mega and we have for those people and that world. Yeah, which is remarkable because like it's easy to know why you and I had it. We didn't get hurt. Right, um, right. Holly, she got knocked around a little bit emotionally and spiritually by Christianity and it, it, you know, and, and she'll tell you that, you know, she, she, she'll tell you that. And so it's, it's remarkable to me that she's able to be so gracious. And so, yeah, like you said, like, like kind of warm spirited towards mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. Agreed. But, but it's funny. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad I'm, I mean, what's funny is like when we did that episode, I don't think you had like, they were just buddies of mine. And I, I obviously I have heard the episodes and lots of our listeners had written to me and said, you gotta, you know, these guys are great. So like, yeah. but like, I'm, I don't think you had any exposure to it. So Not at I'm all. glad you, I'm glad you checked it out. 
Yeah, no, I, I really like it. This really is turning into a Solomon Gundy. We're talking about <laughs> everything. I'm going to start um, using that word now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to make it a thing last time and it just didn't catch on. No. Um, so uh, did you get this question? It's the Santa question from somebody. Okay, so this question is a paraphrase of something I saw recently on our Facebook group, which, by the way, shout out to the Facebook group and the Facebook people. Yo, Facebook. Who are on there, and the, the, they got a, a a group called Humanize Me, matches the name of the podcast, and you can go on and interact with other listeners of the podcast. And this was one of the things that they said: when when kids do good things in order to be on Santa's nice list, does that strip those good things of their moral worth? Shouldn't we teach them to be good anyway? Good, good for goodness's sake. <laughs> Gosh. That's boy. That that's definitely a post-Christian question because they're being fundamentalist and and legalistic <laughs> in a secular way. I, I there's a lot of this that comes up around holidays. I've noticed where like, you know, should you uh, teach kids about Santa? Is that just taking Christmas too? You know, the whole thing. Is it taking these traditions too seriously? Just enjoy them, right? That's what I kind of think. Well, I, I, just enjoy the men. Don't take them too seriously. Like, like, yeah. we, we, like we tell kids, we read stories to our kids about talking fish and about jump, you know, like right. giant red dogs named Clifford and all that stuff. And I think the kids, I guess we don't act like they're true, though. No, that's right. I think the kids, even from the earliest age, are sort of like these are fun stories, right? You know, but like with Clifford the red dog, I don't go out of my way to say to Maya, like, you know, I want you to understand that there is no such thing as a big talking dog. Right. Like I don't I don't feel the need to disclaim it. And I, I know a lot of people that have left the faith and they sort of don't believe in God, but they still kind of do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, like it they, haunts them. Right, right. It's so yeah. it's so interesting. Hey, I will say one thing though. The the, the, the essence of the mm-hmm. question, which is doing good things in order to get a reward versus doing good things for their own sake. You know, that's a very serious question that educators have to ask. Like, do does giving kids rewards for reading actually turn them into readers. And most of the statistical data would suggest, no, it doesn't. Mm. That if you if you attach a reward to something, the kid will, will think that the thing you attach it to is intrinsically unrewarding. And that's why you have to give an extrinsic reward. Wow. And so, you know, I, I think that, that what you really want to teach kids about doing good things and being nice is that it works. Like it makes your, it, 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 it increases your happiness. Like you're hardwired in such a way that like it feels good to do good things in itself. for other people. Yeah. 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 And so not to teach them that there's no reward, but to teach them that the re- that the reward is built into the activity. Yeah. And and to go like a lot of times the reward isn't built into the activity like does it feel good to go visit that nasty old lady who vomits all over you um at 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 you know at at the at you know at, at the at the old folks home. And the answer is no, I had a shitty hour. That wasn't that much fun. And you go like, so tell me about that. And you go like, how did you feel that night looking in the mirror? And you go like, you know what? That was a shitty day, but like, I'm a fine person, you mm. know? Huh? Or, or, or somebody says, what'd you do last week? And you go, I visited this old lady in vomit. And they go like, wow, that's, that's cool that you did that. And you're like, yeah, I feel good the way you're looking at me right now. And like <laughs> that, that, that sometimes the, the reward the, for doing a good thing isn't it doesn't happen in the thing itself. Like there is such a thing as sacrifice. There is such a thing as delayed gratification when it comes to virtue. But that ultimately virtue is in the long run, the surest path 
to happiness and meaning and flourishing and health and a better world. And so, you know, see, sometimes, you, you know, you have to, sh you have to help kids connect the dots and see the relationship. But it's, I think, I just think it's really important that you teach kids that like virtue is enlightened self-interest. So if you get on the nice list, that's a bonus. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's, yeah, exactly. You go like, wait, will Santa think you're, will Santa think more highly of you? If you're, if you're a good person, the answer is yes. And so will your aunt Sally. And so will the girl you're trying to date. And so like, so will anybody of decent, of, of value in the world. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's going to work for you. Like you become a, you, you, you be a nice guy and you see what happens. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I had a, uh, one final question for you. Um, okay. If I read it to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. Okay. I've found out today it looks like my sister, who's a health worker, is going to be fired for refusing to have the vaccine. But honestly, I don't feel sorry for her. Her husband harassed me on social media for wearing a mask, which led me to eventually block him. My sister isn't better because she would constantly attack me on social media, so I blocked her as well. She isn't that much better in person either. She's the kind of person who badmouths other family members when they're not in the room. And if you ever offend her, she yells at you and then marches out of the room. Quite honestly, I can't think of a time when she's ever apologized for anything or even admitted she got something wrong. It's always someone else's fault and never hers. Seems to me she thinks she's always right and never wrong about anything. With some luck, I'll avoid seeing her over Christmas since the thought of being in the same room as her fills me with great anxiety. Maybe I'm a bad person for not caring about her being unemployed, but I don't think she would care if I were ever fired. So this isn't asked in the, in the form of a question, Bart, but I figured it, it can function in the same way, which is, what do you think about that? Is this person oh. a bad person for not caring about this? You know, it's it, it, my, my first, my first thing is like, it's not what I think about. That's what I feel about that. I'm so sorry. That's such a, that's such a, that's such a hard reality. Yeah. To, to be in, to, to, to be in a relationship that works like that. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be either one of them. Right. Because no. my guess is that the sister who's going to get fired feels the same way about her sister. She's, she probably thinks that her sister is horrible and is, is hurting this country and is, you know, doesn't respect her. And, you know, that's just, that's just hard. I mean, that's, that's a sign of the times when people, you know, because, you know, I guess it's not because like there have always been people who don't apologize and who won't, who won't who can't stand disagreement with them right. and who are opinionated. But like in, in our political environment, it's just, there's so many more ways to feel that. And in our technological environment, there's so many more ways to express that. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to coldly express that. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Um, but you know, she, she asked the interesting question, like, she's like, my sister's going to be fired and I don't feel sorry for her. And does this make me a, basically what she's saying is, does this make me a bad person? Because I'm not sorry about my sister's trouble. Exactly. And, you know, I'm like, obviously no one thing makes you a bad person. Um, is, is it, is it a way that, is it, is it a way that you would want to, like, if you could wave a magic wand and be, and be more compassionate to your sister, would you wave it? Oh, that's a good question. You probably would. Because Maybe. It, it, your life would be better. 
You're like, right. you would be less, you would be less stressed out if you just felt sorry for her. If you were just like, wow, she's ignorant and she's stupid and she's not very, she's not very kind. She probably doesn't make many friends being the way that she is. She's probably kind of lonely. And now she's lost her job. And if you, if you just felt sorry for her, you would have less tension than what you're feeling right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think this is a good question uh, that's come up many times for me, just thinking about certain things or responding to certain people. Like there are people who are harder to feel empathy for. Yes, there are. And what do you do with that? It does make me, for the record, it does make me feel bad when I feel less empathy. I'm like, ah, well, you know, it's too bad, too yeah. sad. Mm -mm. You know, and I feel like that makes me bad. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that makes me a bad person. Well, I, I would just say like, I would just add one layer to your desire to be an empathetic person. That is mm -hmm. imagine if you, like, so you go like this person, oh, I feel no empathy for them. They suck. And then you go like, yeah, okay, stop and think about it. If you, John, very nice guy, feel no empathy for this person, guess what? There's nobody in the world that feels empathy for that person. Like, so now think about what it's like to be them. If you, if that, if that woman that, that she described, if she falls down, there is nobody who's going, oh, baby. Mm. And you, and you go like, oh, well, all of her Trumpy friends, they're all feeling sorry for her. No, they're not. Like, right. like there's a kind of Republican and, or a kind of conservative or a kind of Trump follower that is full of compassion and full of empathy and full of kindness. They think differently than you and I, but they're lovely people. Yeah. And guess what? They would never say terrible, harass you on social media or do things that would cause you to have to wear a mask. You know, they would like if, if this person were ultra right and nice, the sister wouldn't be writing this email the same way. Yeah, true. So if she's, if she's stupid and mean, then she doesn't have anybody who cares for her. Right. And no, so and that's, then, and that, and then, that is sad. And suddenly, suddenly you're making me feel. Yeah. yeah. Now I go like, wow, imagine being the kind of person that, that, that could alienate even me. <laughs> right. Even, even you, John, even this lovely person who wrote the email. And you go like, that person's really alone in the world. That person's really on their own. Even their friends, like, and you've seen this thing happen where people are really, you know, people who are in, in movements are like, well, yeah, we're together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then if one of them falls down, the other one's like, tear, tear them apart. You know, you see liberals that feed on their own. You see conservatives that feed on their own because the relationships are relationships of convenience. They're not really, they're not really people who who care about each other on a fully human level. And so when somebody like falters or is no longer valuable to the movement or shows a, a sign of weakness or, or like, then they turn around and they rip them to shreds. Yeah. And so you go like, oh man, even if you've got friends, don't get in trouble. Don't show, don't, don't break with orthodoxy. I mean, that's why a lot of people stay in, like you can be in this, a certain kind of Christian conservative movement and you go like, if I, if I leave this, these people won't be friends with me anymore. You didn't worry about that. I didn't worry about that. The kind of Christians I was with, if I let, if I couldn't believe in God anymore, they were going to be sad, upset. They would talk to me, but they were going to love me. They were going to never be mean to me. They were never going to write horrible things about me. Right. So like, if you're part of a group that you know if you left the group would turn on you, then even if you haven't left the group, you're still not secure. You don't feel loved. You might feel valuable, you might feel belonging, but you don't feel loved. 
Mm. So I have compassion for this poor woman who has the nasty sister and who's feeling bad about herself because she doesn't feel a lot of, you know, she's bitter towards her sister. And like, I'd be bitter too. The difference between my relationship with her sister and her relationship is I look at her sister and can pity her. It's easy. She hasn't hurt me. Right. hundred percent. In fact, in fact, I can kind of go a step further and say, you know, I don't even know if I believe in free will. Like, I mean, I, I look at this people, I just sort of think like, oh, you know, this is a broken person like this, or, or this is a person who doesn't have it within them to be different. You know, that's much easier said than done when the person has hurt you or the person has directly affected you. Right. I mean, like if you're a, like, if, if, if you're a nice person, if you're not, if you're this, if you're a reasonable person, like the sister who's right, like presumably the woman who wrote the, this email. Mm-hmm. And you say, hey, I've got a pill for you. Listen, you know, because it's a lot, it's a lot of pain to be a nice person. You, you know, you you feel you can get hurt and stuff. I can turn you into somebody who attacks people who don't agree with you. I can make you somebody who badmouths family members when they're not in the room and yells at people that offend her and marches out of the room. I can make you into somebody who never apologizes for anything and never admits they got something wrong. Do you want to take that pill? That person would go like, no. And like, please don't give me that pill. Like, no, I I, I would do anything to avoid becoming that person. Mm-hmm. So you go like, yeah. So, so, so you're saying that somebody wouldn't freely choose to be that reprehensible? And you go like, no, a reasonable person would never choose that. Like I, I, a reasonable person, like like you say, Bart, do you love science like crazy? And we, and, and are you willing to stay in the lab and study the stars forever? And I go like, no, I'm not. You go like, if you, if if I could take a pill and make you like Stephen Hawking, like brain wise, would you take it? I go like, you know, I might. That would be a cool way to be. If you go like, what what if I what if I could make you a a a an artist and you and you could paint. And you go like, would you take that pill? And and like you 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 have these wonderful creative like, I might I might not because like I really like the life that I'm living now and you know but like I, I would consider it like that wouldn't be the worst thing for me to be an artist you know you go yeah. would you want to be that Mormon sister like not in a million years <laughs> mm-hmm. so I don't think it's a free will decision to be an asshole yeah. I don't think any I I think somebody has to make you one right. Circumstances and genes, something has to conspire to make you an asshole. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but again, like, it's easy to have compassion on the person that's torturing somebody else and to go, like, wow, I feel sorry for the victim, but I also feel sorry for the person that's locked in that oppressive system. It's a whole different thing when you're the one getting tortured. Right. And so I don't have a word of judgment for that sister for, for, for not, I don't, like, when she says, I don't feel sorry for her, I go, like, yeah. Maybe if you could get some distance from her, you would. But like you're 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 in the process of being harmed, so I'm not surprised. It's hard to forgive somebody until they stop hurting you. What about more general? Well, first of all, I th- I think that's a very direct answer to the question. You know, am I a bad person? I think your answer is no. But what do you think more generally about judgment on people who won't? get the vaccine and then suffer consequences for it. either they get COVID and die or they get COVID and suffer or they lose their job or whatever. Do you think that that judgment is misplaced or? No, no. I, I mean, I have judgment too. Like I think it's socially irresponsible and 
I think there comes a point where you go like, but yeah, but I might be risking my own health. And I go like, that's true. You might be, you, but you're definitely risking other people's health. And I think like there's a point where civic duty or civic sacrifice where you go like, I'm going to give, you know, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to assume a certain amount of risk for the sake of the collective. But I don't think we live in a collectivist society and I don't think people really feel that way or think that way. Many people do. No, no. And, and so I like in some sense, I'm not surprised and I, and I don't have like, I judge the action and I judge the thought process but I don't judge the person for having that thought process in the same way that like, I, you know, I might say like, listen, I don't think God is true, but I don't judge you for thinking that he is like based on your experiences in this environment. Like if I was raised like you, I would believe it too. I don't think it's wrong to hold that belief. I just think the belief is wrong. Damn it, John. Well, I was having the Santa nice list. We were having a good time. We were talking about <laughs> Holly's podcast. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. So, so um, well, I feel like I can't say Happy New Year anymore for whatever crazy reason, but I'm going to just be opposite and just do it. And so I'm going to say Happy New Year. Happy hey, 2022 you can to you. Wish, you, know, you can wish for anything you want. Like, it's not like people didn't say happy new year. You know, I feel like we've got a weird stigma now on being optimistic or positive. Yeah, like, about like we act as though people used to be like there, there didn't used to be trouble. Right. And, yeah, and like always, there, right. there always was. Yeah. But, but, but I wasn't always in trouble. And there are a lot of people this year that are in trouble in ways that they were never in trouble before. Yeah. And if that's you, um, it's just really important that nobody compare you or put you in a category like if you're in it right now like i'm really we're all john and i we're just really sorry you're in it and um i got a really nice email from somebody today who said this podcast has really helped me through this year and uh and it made me feel really good and i you know if you're in it right now i hope that hearing us talk about stuff and understanding that there's life on the other side of faith and and being engaged in a conversation feeling like there's a community out there of people I, like i hope somehow some way this is helpful and i hope that in the next year we can put together lots more super encouraging helpful challenging episodes but like if you're in it right now the truth is like if 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 you were sitting in front of us and you told us what you were in we would feel you. We would, we would feel, we, we would be sad with you. And, and I just want, you know, like, it's important that you know that. And if by chance something beautiful is happening to you right now, um, and you are in love or you are, you have found a new purpose in life or you have something is exciting happening. Like, you know what? Like we, we, if we, if you were sitting right here and telling us about it, we would be thrilled for you right now. Like, because the main thing we're trying to cultivate is the ability to kind of vicariously connect with other, like to, to, to kind of enjoy other people's triumphs and try to share other people's loads. And uh, that's just that, you know, in terms of humanize me, that to me is the essence of being humanized is when you become a person who other people's joy and celebrations and happiness become yours. 
you're so thrilled to see them in that situation that it lifts your heart too. And other people's pain, not that it, not that it becomes all the, all yours, but that you, you tap into it in a way that lightens it for them and that makes them feel less alone in it. And so I hope that's what we're doing. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, John. Love you. And yeah, yeah so I love you. Happy New Year to you and our listeners. Right on. Right on. All right. We'll see you next year. For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at Humanize Me Pod on Twitter and Humanize Me Podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search Humanize Me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. Hey, you could be larger than life.